Hey, it's Andy. Welcome or welcome back to the Woodstock City Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to download the Woodstock City Church app where you can access all of our recent message content as well as find out about what's going on around Woodstock City Church. And the app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend. But most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. So if you have been around our church for any amount of time or quite some time, um, you've heard us at some point talk about um, our mission here at Woodstock City Church and why we exist. And if you're new here or you're checking things out, maybe you haven't had the opportunity to hear about it just yet. Uh, But the reason why this church exists and the reason why we do everything that we do um, is really simple. Our mission is to inspire people to follow Jesus to inspire people to follow Jesus, to inspire people to take a step towards Jesus, to take a first step towards Jesus, to take a next step towards Jesus, to grow a new relationship, start a new relationship or grow an existing relationship with Jesus. That everything we do week in and week out, every service we put on, every event we have, every group we have, every environment we create, every interaction we want to have is with one goal in mind, one mission in mind to inspire people to follow Jesus. That's what we're all about. But here's my hope is that, um, yes, that's going to be true of this church. And that's going to be true of everything we do and everything that we put on and, and do here at Woodstock City Church. But my hope is not only would that mission be true of what we do within the confines of this church, but my hope is that it would also be true of those that make up this church. That not only do I believe that mission can be accomplished in and through this church, I want that mission to be accomplished through you and through me. And where I want to spend a few minutes this morning with you is asking the question, are the lives we are living and the reputations that we are building inspiring others to follow Jesus? Is the life you're living and is the life I'm living inspiring others to want to know more about the Jesus that we follow? We've been in the series for the past couple of weeks called Big Reputation, and we are wrapping it up this morning. And throughout the course of this series, we've been talking about just that, our reputations, your reputation, my reputation, the reputation of the church, the reputation of this church, and the reputation of Jesus And the foundation that we laid is that reputations matter. Regardless of what you do or don't believe about faith, your reputation matters. It's a thing that's either going to win you influence and trust with others or erode and ruin your influence and trust with others. And for every single person in the room, when you represent something bigger than you, this takes on a whole new meaning because every single one of us to some degree represents something bigger than just us. And when we represent something bigger than us, our reputation's impact goes beyond us. And I've been challenging those of you in the room and even myself that are Jesus followers. Your reputation especially matters. Why? Because the reputation of the church matters and the reputation of Jesus matters. And I've asked you to wrestle with this question. I've asked our staff to wrestle with this question. I have personally been wrestling with this question and I hope all of us do even in the weeks to come after this series is over. And the question is this, how can we begin to repair the reputation of the local church? How can we begin to repair, to restore the reputation of the local church that I believe is at an all time low with those on the outside? And where we've kind of been going is that to repair the reputation of the local church, it starts with the reputations of those that make up the church, you and me. And if 
We are going to inspire people to follow Jesus. If you want to be a part of a church that inspires people to follow Jesus, then our reputations matter. That you and I should be living our lives in a way, watch this, that should make people be a little bit more curious about Jesus. That you and I should be living our lives and loving in a way that would make people a little bit more compelled to learn a little bit more about Jesus. That you and I should be living our lives as representatives of Jesus. We should be living our lives in a way that would make people want to ask some questions about the faith that we have and the savior that we follow, that you and I should be living our lives in such a way that maybe it would be a part of inspiring someone that doesn't know Jesus to surrender their lives to following Jesus. Here's what's true about those of us that call ourselves Jesus followers, that people should look at the way that we live. People should look at the way that we love, about the way that we serve, about the way that we forgive, about the way that we show compassion, about the way that we exemplify patience, about the way that we model integrity, about the joy that we walk with. They should look at the hope that we live with and they should be compelled to want to know more. Why? Because it's different than what they see anywhere and everywhere else. That what's true about the call of Jesus for those of us that claim to follow him is he has called us to live differently. That there should be something different about those of us that follow Jesus. Because here's the harsh reality, and this is just true for all of us. We can't make a difference in this world if we look just like it. That for those that follow Jesus, there should be something different about the way that we walk, different about the way that we talk, different about the way that we treat and see other people, different about the way that we prioritize our lives. But not just different for difference sake. No, no, here's where we're gonna go for the next few minutes is that the difference in you is meant to make a difference in others. The difference in you and the difference in me is meant to make a difference in others others. In fact, isn't this so true for some people? In fact, for a lot of people that are on the outside of church, most of them, they don't even really have any issues with Jesus. They had an issue with a Jesus follower that claimed to follow Jesus, but their life didn't look like it. They claimed to follow Jesus, but they didn't act like it. They have an issue with a Jesus follower that claimed to love Jesus, but they didn't love like it. They claimed to follow Jesus, but they weren't treated like they thought a Jesus follower should treat them. That there was a discrepancy between the faith they professed in the life that they lived. And Jesus, Jesus himself challenges you and I and that the difference that you and I exemplify should be a catalyst for the difference in the lives of other people. And that's where we're gonna pick up. Jesus talks about this very idea in the Sermon on the Mount, his most famous sermon, his longest recorded sermon in the Gospel of Matthew. It's gonna be in Matthew chapter five. And we're gonna look at probably the most well-known passage in all of the Sermon on the Mount and hope to bring it to you in a fresh way this morning. This is what Jesus um, says. He's, he's preaching to a bunch of his followers in Matthew chapter five, starting in verse 13. He says to his followers, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt, if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Hey, as one of my followers, Jesus said, here's what you are. You are by definition, the salt of the earth. 
Salt was an extremely valuable commodity um, back in the first century um, because of its many uses. Like they would not really be able to make it without salt. That's how valuable it was because of all the different things that it did for society and for the well-being of people. We love salt. They really needed salt. And what about the nature of salt? Um, What is it? Why would Jesus use this analogy? Well, I've got three ideas about the nature of salt that brings this idea into full practicality for you and for me. And the first one is this. Salt makes everything better. Right? Just, just doesn't taste that great. It's amazing what a little bit of salt will do. Some of you guys need to stop though. Some of y'all put salt on the dish that your husband or your wife made you before you tried it. All right? Show a little respect. Give it a chance. Man, we love our salt though. Because it just, it just makes everything, just makes everything better. Makes everything better. And in the broadest sense of the meaning, you ready? Watch this. As Jesus followers living in this world, you ready? We should make the world better. That because we live in them, our communities should be better. Because we attend them, our schools should be better. Because we work at them, our workplaces should be better. And if you work from home, your Zoom chats should be better. That your sorority and fraternity should be better because you are in it and a part of it. That I had this thought, like, could you imagine just for a moment if this church tomorrow just disappeared? Or we as Jesus followers and from our communities, from our neighborhoods, from our jobs, from our schools, just immediately disappeared tomorrow. Would we be missed? What Jesus is saying and what I hope would be true of all of us is that we would live in a way to make the answer to that question a resounding yes. Because things were just better because we were there. They were just better because of the way we loved, better because of the way that we served, better because of the way that we viewed the world. Salt just makes things better. But two, salt also makes you thirsty, right? Saying your favorite salty snack. I'm more of a salty over the sugar stuff, Okay. So I'm always eating salty snacks, salt and vinegar, either love it or you hate it. I love it. You eat a salty snack and you get, you get thirsty. Here's the fascinating thing about something salty. It makes you thirsty for what you don't have. What an interesting idea that as Jesus followers, we should be living our lives in such a way to make other people a little bit thirsty for what they don't have, but what they see in us. That we should be living our lives in a way to make people be like, hang on, what, why did you, that was really nice. Hang on, yeah, that, like you went way out of your way. Why did you, why did you do that? Hey, I really appreciated it, but like why in the world did you care to help me? Hey, uh, just out of curiosity, how in the world did you handle that situation so well? Hang on, whoa, you forgave who for what? Why? Hang on, that was difficult. How in the world did you make it through? That we should be living our lives in a way that would make other people a little bit thirsty for what they don't have. And then third, maybe the most fascinating one to me is salt was a preservative. They didn't have refrigerators back then, right? No electricity. And so what they would do is, one of the things they would do is they would take the salt and they would rub it into the meat and it would help preserve the good from going bad fascinated to think about us as Jesus followers living in a way to preserve the good 
in a world full of bad. That as Jesus followers, whenever there's turmoil, we are the ones who are bringing the peace. Whenever there's divisiveness, we're the ones fighting for unity. That in the midst of difficulty, we're pointing people to hope. That whenever there is hate, we are the ones showing love. That whenever there are people hurting, we are first in line to help. Whenever there is an injustice, we are the first in line to fight and speak on behalf of those that do not have a voice. In a world of selfishness, we are putting the interest of others first. In a world that wants to keep a record of wrongs, we are first in line to forgive. Salt of the earth, preserving the good in the name of Jesus. Makes everything better. Makes you thirsty for more. And it preserves the good. The salt of the earth. And Jesus says, hey, if it fails to be salty, then what good is it? It's useless. And it's not serving the purpose for which it was created. But he goes on, he continues with another metaphor. And he says in verse 14, you are also the light of the world. You are, by definition, one of my followers, the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. And he goes on, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. That, hey, as one of my followers, you are the light of the world. You are to live in a way to be a beacon of light. And then he goes on and he makes a couple obvious statements. Look, you're the light of the world in a town on a hill. It cannot be hidden. Duh. Right. I mean, in the middle of the night, a town back then miles away, you could see it from miles away. You can't hide a town, a city on a hill. And he goes, but also you wouldn't light a lamp and then put it under a bowl. It's a really obvious statement. It's silly. Why in the world would you light a lamp and then put it under a bowl? No, no. When you light a lamp, you put it on its stand. Why? So that it can illuminate the house for others. Jesus makes these seemingly obvious statements. Why? He's making a point. You are the light of the world. And then he says, so let your light shine. You can be the source of light, but not be letting your light shine. I want you to think about a lamp for just a second. A lamp has all the potential in the world to be the source of light. A lamp can be a light that lights up a room. It can be a source of light with all the potential, but until it is turned on, it is not shining and fulfilling the purpose for which it was created. Jesus is saying that as one of his followers, you have all the potential in the world to be the light of the world, but you can also live in a way to not let your light shine. You, as a source of light, you have all the potential in the world to be the light of the world. So let your light shine. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds, the good that we do, the better that we're making, the good that we're preserving, the way that we're loving, and the way that we're serving, and the good that we are creating. And what does it do? It doesn't make our name great. No, no, it reflects back up to the God that we represent. That people might see the good as we let our light shine and praise our Father in heaven. That through us, they might see his heart. Through us, they would see his love. Through us, they would see something compelling about a God they never thought they'd be interested in. You know what Jesus is doing here? He is calling out us as Jesus followers to actually 
walk the talk, to walk out what we believe, to not just be the types of Jesus followers that just say we believe something about Jesus, yet it does not affect our day to day. Jesus is saying we've got to put action behind our faith, that following Jesus is not a passive activity of belief. No, no, no. It's not about just believing something about Jesus. Yes, that's the beginning of it. And then following him, though, is an active activity. It's an active lifestyle. And Jesus is challenging you and I to live different and to be different. Why? Because the difference in us, the salt that we are and the light that we shine is meant to make a difference in others. And then Jesus, he doesn't hold back. So again, I'm using his words, not mine. So don't get mad at me. But he says salt that isn't salty. It's useless. It's as useless as light. A lamp put under a bowl, it's useless. And I'll just speak on behalf of myself for a second. I don't want to be useless. I haven't surrendered my life to a God just to be useless. I don't want to live my life not being a part of the story that he is writing. And he's challenging us to take the calling seriously, to take his words seriously, to take our responsibility seriously, to be salt to be light because it's bigger than us. And there's more at stake than we could ever imagine. And so what you and I would be well to be vigilant to do is to make sure that we don't do anything to lose our saltiness or to smother our light. No, he wants you to be salty in a good way and to shine your light in a bright way. But it's worth asking the question, What would cause us to lose our saltiness? What would cause us to smother our own light? Well, I want to give you a few things that would answer that question. That you and I will begin to lose our saltiness as followers of Jesus, and we will begin to smother our light when we choose to consume rather than contribute. That when you and I as followers of Jesus focus on consuming church rather than contributing to the kingdom of God, we will lose our saltiness and start to smother our light. And look, man, we're all good at consuming. I'm so good at consuming. I can order something on Amazon. It'll probably be at my house before I get done with the 11 o'clock service, okay? We're so great at consuming. And for us Jesus followers, we're so good at consuming church. Consuming church, consuming sermons, consuming podcasts, consuming songs, consuming everything that we do. And I hope you do. That's great. Please consume everything. It's fantastic. It's the reason why we do it. However, when we are more focused on consuming rather than contributing, you know what starts to happen? We start to get very me focused. That suddenly church becomes about filling my needs and my needs are now first in line of priority. And suddenly, suddenly we start focusing on the question, what can I get as a consumer? rather than what can I give as a follower wanting to build up the kingdom of God? Can I just tell you, a sign of a maturing faith is moving from the I just wanna consume to hey, I'm consuming in order to contribute. I'm consuming in order to pour out. I'm consuming in order to give. And we lose our saltiness and we start to smother our light when church and faith and this whole thing comes, becomes all about us consuming and what we want. But we start to be really salty 
and we start to shine a light, whenever we stop asking the question, what's in it for me? And we start asking the question, how can I play a part of the story? What gifts has God given me that I can use to help build up the kingdom, that I can use at Woodstock City, that I can use to help those that are in need, that I can use in my workplace, that I can use in my neighborhood? What are the gifts? What are the unique ways he's wired me to love others? How can I start serving? What might it look like for me to jump in and help and be a part of a solution? What would it look like for me to use my resources, not just for me, but to build up the kingdom? that we start to be really salty and our, light, our bright light starts to shine whenever we start asking the question, what might it look like to be generous with our finances, with our time, you know, with our energy? And we move out of the realm of just consuming and we start playing an active part in the story of God by contributing to his kingdom. May we be a church and may we be a people who with their lives start saying, man, okay, it's not just about me consuming. What might it look like for me to start contributing? For me to jump in for the first time, jump back in for the second time and be salt and be light. You and me, we also start to lose our saltiness and we start to smother our light whenever we choose to face inward rather than outward. And we, we, we emphasized this last week, but it's worth mentioning here that we cannot lose sight of those on the outside of faith. We cannot lose sight of those that are not here yet. And come on, look, look, this, I, this, maybe this is just true for me. Isn't it just so easy to get comfortable with our church friends just to get comfortable in our routine? Isn't it just easier just to show up to church, to do your thing and not have to think about inviting anybody? Isn't it just easier to live your life and not have to worry about anybody else? Of course it is. But if we lose sight of those on the outside, if we lose sight of the very mission of Jesus to seek and to save the lost, we're missing everything. I mean, Jesus in the gospels, he puts on a masterclass of how to see people, how to engage with people and how to love people. And come on, salt and light, they're outward facing anyway. They're all about other people anyway. You can't just be salt for yourself and light for yourself. No, no, we're called to be salt and light to and for others. Outward facing, always paying attention, always looking at opportunity to invest to love and to intentionally invite. And come on, isn't this true? Watch this. We could go around the room. We're not going to, we don't have time, but we could go around the room. And I bet you every single one of you, even if you're not even a Jesus follower, every single one of you could probably point to someone, at least one person in your life that was salt and that was light. And it's why you came to faith. It's why you're sitting in church. It's why you came back to faith. It's why you came back to church. Why? Because there was someone that was not so inwardly focused, but was outward focused and was salt and light. We cannot be a church that just is okay coming in week in, week out, and just seeing each other as Christians and Jesus followers and think we're all good. No, 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 no. There's too much opportunity. And what's at stake is too much in a story that we can play too big. So let's not be a church that, loses its saltiness and smothers its light because we start to get too comfortable facing inward and forget to face 
outward. And then third, you and I will lose our saltiness and smother the light whenever we choose convenience rather than conviction. It's a big one. You've all experienced this. You're following Jesus. It's gonna be these moments in life where what's convenient and comfortable for you butts up against the conviction you have in your heart where God is leading you to go the other way. There's gonna be these moments, these fork in the road moments where what is convenient and most comfortable for you, the, the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you is, con, is convicting you to, to do the opposite. And when you and I consistently choose convenience and comfort, we lose our saltiness and smother the light. But when we choose to follow conviction, we're the salt of the earth and the light of the world. It's a lot more convenient and comfortable not to forgive them because they deserved it. But then there's just that annoying conviction that says, ah, but my heavenly father in Christ forgave me and I, I hate it. I don't want to, and maybe I seem to do it until I actually believe it, but I should be first in line to forgive. And when we go conviction over just that comfort and convenience, watch this, salt and light. Like, I get it. It's not very convenient for the busyness of your schedule to be interrupted by that one person in the office that just can't figure things out and they're new and, and they just can't figure out the systems. I get it. it. It's not convenient whenever your kid can't figure out the math homework and you're just trying to get done with the night. But in those moments... You have this conviction where it's like, ah, just kindness and patience, kindness and patience. The Lord's been kind with me. God knows he's patient with me. And so when we choose conviction over convenience, salt and light, that in a world that says, hey, you need to do whatever it takes to get ahead, that you need to claim success no matter what the cost, no matter who you step on. It's a lot easier just to go with the flow, but then there's just that conviction. It's like, ah, I need to do what's right. I need to model integrity, even if it costs me. And when you choose conviction over your convenience and comfort, I'm just telling you, salt and light. And this one, this one's hard for me, just being real. I'm not even just pretending to like be authentic. I'm being serious. Two names come to mind. I will not share them. But to love those that have wronged you or hurt those that you love? Uh-uh. Mm -mm. Way more comfortable. Bitterness. I'll just, I'll just settle right into bitterness. It's comfortable here. But then, oh, it's conviction that I was once an enemy of God and Jesus brought me close. So I'm going to choose to love. When we choose conviction over that convenience, watch this, man, we are salt and bright light in a world full of darkness. It's a lot more comfortable to hold on to your money and your resources. But ah, there's just this conviction. I just, I don't want to just store up stuff and treasures here on earth that moth and rust will destroy. destroy. I want to be a part of what God is doing. I want to figure out a plan to be generous. When you choose conviction over convenience, watch this man, salt and light.
It's a lot more convenient and comfortable to never step out of your comfort zone, to never do anything that stretches you, that, 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 to never do anything that takes you to a place of the unknown. But man, you've just got this feeling, ah, maybe I should go on that mission trip. Maybe I should jump in and serve at Transit and at Wombley. Maybe I should get back in. Maybe I should invite my neighbor to church. Maybe I should share my faith. Maybe I should take that step of faith into the unknown. I'm telling you, when we choose conviction over convenience, watch this, salt and light. The difference in you and the difference in me is meant to make a difference in the lives of others. So let's stop just consuming and let's ask the question, what might it look like to start contributing to the kingdom of God? Let's stop just facing inward because it's easy and automatic and comfortable. And let's do the messy work of facing outward to a world that needs to know we're here and that there's a God that loves them. And let's start leaning into the conviction of God's leading, even at the expense of our convenience and our comfort. Because when a group of Jesus followers starts doing that, that's a lot of salt. That's a lot of good. And that is a lot of light that the world will not be able to ignore in the best possible way. And when we do, and if we do collectively as a church and individually as those who make up Woodstock City Church, watch this, we will begin to inspire people to follow Jesus. So this right here is my invitation, no RSVP required, to be a part of the movement, to be a part of the mission. Yes, collectively here at Woodstock City Church, I want you in and I can't do this without you. We can't do this without you, but also a commitment to do it on Monday and on Tuesday and on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and Saturday, that we might be the kind of people that don't just talk about following Jesus, that don't treat following Jesus as a belief statement, but treat it as a, this is how I live my life statement. And as a result, salt and light. That there would be people that would talk about this community. There'd be your neighbors that would talk about the way that we live and the things that we do individually and collectively at church. But hey, you know that, that church over there? Yeah, the, the one across from the Costco. I thought it was the outlet mall. Yeah, that, that one. There's, there's something different. That's not like the church that I grew up in. Yeah, this interaction with, it's just, just different. I might go see. Walls come down. Hearts start opening up. And Jesus starts capturing the hearts of the people in this community. And we get to be a part of the story that he is writing. So, what would it look like to ask yourself some hard questions today? What would it look like to take some personal inventory today and start living your life in a way that compels others, that piques the interest of others, represents the heart of Jesus in a way that not only allows this church to inspire people to follow Jesus, but individually in our workplaces, in our communities, in our neighborhoods, and in our families, in our circle of friends, our circle of influences, we would also too begin to inspire people to follow Jesus. Salt and light, let's go do it together.
Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunities that you've put before us. Thank you for the influence that you've given us. Father, may we steward it well. May you give us the courage, the wisdom, the foresight to be salt and to be light. Would you give us the awareness to know if we're way too leaning in the consumer side and need to start contributing? Would you give us the eyes of Jesus to face outward more than we do inward? And would you give us the courage to choose conviction over convenience? And Father, we ask that you would take all of that up and that you would use it in a way to make it effective, to not only change us, but to have that change inspire change in others. May we be a church that represents your name in the name of Jesus well. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.